So, uh, uh, hi, it's Graham here. Sorry to interrupt your podcast listening like this, but uh, I wondered if you could do us a little favour. I haven't told Carol I'm going to do this, and frankly, I'm not sure she's going to find out. Let's maybe keep it that way, shall we? Uh, I don't think she listens to the podcast, so she won't hear that I've tacked this on to the beginning. But the European Security Blogger Awards, they're about to happen, and Smashing Security has been nominated in a couple of categories. Huzzah, huzzah! You can vote in the awards for your favourite security blogs and security podcasts, hint, hint, but you've only got a few days before the voting closes. So do it today. Do it now. Hit pause. Oh, not before I've told you the URL. It's smashingsecurity.com slash vote. That will redirect you through magic to the voting form. And, well, hey, made the best podcast co-hosted for the last six or so years by a Brit and a Canadian win. Um, yeah, over to you. Smashingsecurity.com slash vote. Thank you very much. We love you all, uh, at least the people who vote for us. Uh, but for now, back to your normal service. And uh, sorry about this interruption. I don't know about you, Carl, but when you've been in a relationship for a while, things can begin to get a little bit dull, can't they? And I wondered whether pretending to be a pizza delivery man could spice up my love life. You know, my first boyfriend was a pizza delivery guy. Well, is that how you met him? <laughs> no, I, I was a cook at the same place. When the moon hits your eye. Right, okay. Smashing Security, episode 336. Pizza Pests and Securing Your Wearables, with Carol Terrio and Graham Cluley. Hello, hello, and welcome to Smashing Security, episode 336. My name's Graham Cluley. And I'm Carol Terrio. Carol, you're back from your secret mission. That is fantastic. Yes, it is fantastic. The sun is shining in the UK. Fantastic. I love it. Well, you know, I'm not a big fan of sunshine. And uh, What? Well, you know, obviously it does provide life on Earth and all that. But um, generally, I prefer it a bit chillier rather than warmer. But I've just spent a few days on a beach, and I hate beaches. And historically, I've hated sand. But I have to say, for the first time in my 50-something years... I quite enjoyed being on a beach, and it was quite pleasant being in the sea. Sand just reminds me of building sites normally, but um, I can recommend Woolacombe Bay in Devon if anyone's passing. <laughs> Lovely waves. Yeah, where the sand hater just learns to love it. Okay, fantastic. Take me a long time. <laughs> Shall we get the show on the road, Graham? Go on, then. <laughs> but before we kick off, let's thank this week's great sponsors, Collide and Beyond Identity. It's their support that helps us give you this show for free. Now, coming up in today's show, Graham, what do you got? I'm going to be delivering a slice of text pest with your pizza. Okay, and I'm going to welcome you to Self Health Management Population U. All this and much more coming up on this episode of Smashing Security. Now, Chum Chum, I wonder, have you ever had a bad pizza experience? Uh, yeah, someone ordered a Hawaiian once. Really? Have you got a problem with the Hawaiian? Yeah, it's not for me. I quite like a bit of pineapple on my pizza, actually. I think mm -hmm. it's quite good. Well, you're a child of the 60s, so, you know. Well, <laughs> I'm surprised you don't like Hawaiian pizza, because where do you think it comes from? What? Canada. Ontario, Canada. Well, and I live here, so, you of know, maybe that's <laughs> why. 
<laughs> it's the home of the Hawaiian pizza. Shame of Ontario. Shame, shame, shame. <laughs> a chap called Sam Panopoulos invented the Hawaiian pizza. And well, there you go. I think it's all right. It's much, it's much better than anchovies. Oh, no, I love anchovies. Clams still in their shells. And I love clams. Love that. Really? On your yeah. pizza? Isn't that yeah. a bit clacky? Oh, no, I'm not sure about that. Anyway, I think I think Hawaiian pizza gets a bad rap. Well, lucky you if you've avoided bad pizza experiences, because many people are having bad pizza delivery experiences, regardless of the quality of the pizza. Now, we're all familiar with the ICO, Britain's data regulator. Mm -hmm. uh, in the past, they've taken a close look at the lives of Facebook and Cambridge Analytica and all those sort of things. Mm -hmm. uh, but now it's turned its eye of Sauron at pizza delivery services and other companies that might be abusing your personal information. Mm. What am I talking about? I rarely know what you're talking about, to be honest. So. <laughs> well, according to research done by the ICO, one in three young people have fallen prey to text pests. Text pests. I've never heard that term. People who pester while they text. Uh, uh, so people who send you pesky messages. So what, what the issue is, is that when you order a pizza, you hand over some of your personal information, right? You say, hi, it's Carol. Uh, here's my phone number or here's my email address. Yeah, delivered to this address, right? Delivered to this address. Exactly. They need mm -hmm. to know your address. You don't meet them on some dark corner, do you? It's not like a, a spy drop-off point down the park. <laughs> um, it's, it's, you know, it, 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 they do deliver to your door, uh, when you want a takeaway delivered. And what's happening is people who work at these companies, these delivery companies are abusing this information for their own romantic or sexual gains. See, I was thinking something much more financially heisty, like oh, okay. the Deliveroo guy is sending on this information for 10 cents return to God knows who as, you know, getting money back. But no, it's it's for love. They're doing it. We've got a cheese lover at number 14, that kind of information. They could pass <laughs> that on. Well, no, they would. They could confirm my name, address, phone number to a third party saying it's active. I they could. Well, yeah, no, wait, it seems to be rather more driven by the loins. So let me give you a <laughs> few loins. examples. Okay. There, there is a 30-something singleton. Her name is Sonia Dillon. Okay. Uh, she comes from Ealing in West London. She was tucking into her takeaway pizza, you know, chomping away, had a, you know, mouth in the trough, and <laughs> her phone goes off. Right. And it was the manager of the pizza restaurant asking if she was happy with her order. What? And so she tentatively said... Yes, thank you. Not why? <laughs> what would you do to it? Did you drop it or something? Well, that's the thing. Did you give it some of that special dressing? Um, oh, you know, it's God. Gonna... <laughs> Come on. Doesn't that happen in Betty Blue? Um, anyway, anyway, so she, she said yes, was perhaps slightly worried. Then for the next couple of days, she continued to receive what she called flirtatious messages. Shut up. Suggesting that she could thank him in person if she was enjoying his lovingly made cheesy crust. What? So now, this is the, sorry, sorry. So is this the driver? Because <laughs> he presumably is the, the delivery guy, is the person who saw, you know, the... According to Sonia, she says it was the pizza takeaway manager, who might have been the driver, who knows? 
right? Right. Could have been Small the joint. Well. Yeah, yeah. Mom and pop shop. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Great. This is fun. This is fun. Okay. Maybe if he sees it's Sonia who wants the delivery, he said, oh, I'll take out that one. Yeah, I got this. You know? I got this. Don't worry, oh, Dave. God. Don't worry. You have a breather. Now, I don't know about you, Carl, but when you've been in a relationship for a while, things can begin to get a little bit dull, can't they? You might need to spice up your love life a little bit. And I wondered whether pretending to be a pizza delivery man could spice up my love life. You know, my first boyfriend was a pizza delivery guy. Well, is that how you met him? <laughs> no, I, I was a cook at the same place. But uh... Did you have a huge crust? Is that how it all began? Just what has happened to you? You're over 50. You can't talk like this. Well, I found a website <laughs> which appears to be dedicated to offering advice for pizza delivery people who want to chat up their clients. It is giving lines like chat up lines for pizza delivery people to use in those kind of scenarios. <laughs> is this funded by Domino's? They had a rebrand <laughs> recently. Maybe they're trying to recruit new drivers. Okay, I'm trying to think of some some pizza innuendos okay. without cheating. All right. Okay. Nice pepperoni. Yes. <laughs> Is yeah, that what yeah? that? Yeah. So, you know, you, <laughs> you're hot enough to burn the roof of my mouth. That's <laughs> oh, one I read. I love that. That's so nice. That's what I look for. One which was listed was, your eyes look like pepperonis. Now, that doesn't sound to me like a good thing. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I'd be flattered. <laughs> Bloodshot. Yeah. <laughs> Huge. <laughs> I want to give you Olive my love. Oh, lame. It's quite clever. Oh, all right. Yeah. Um, okra. You could do one with okra. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know what. Stole a pizza, my heart. Um, <laughs> when um, the moon hits your eye. <laughs> right. Okay. There was one person who said, I'm like pizza. You can have me all at once or save me for the morning. Presumably... Not going to taste that good in the morning, are you? Oh, I don't know. I quite I I like morning pizza occasionally. That's a dirty yeah, secret. But yeah. yeah, okay, okay. Yeah. Anyway, so um, crazy. Poor old Sonia. Poor old. Back to the real life rather than my love life. Poor old Sonia. She found that this guy started sending her messages on other messaging apps as well. He found her on Telegram, um, which automatically deletes messages, which meant that. She didn't have an audit for them. Anyway, she, she wasn't sure what to do. Uh, and she was going to report it to the company. And the rest of her family said, don't do that because he could lose his job. Um, so she so she left it. She didn't complain. <laughs> it's, it seems to me. Well, so the, the parents were worried about his employment as opposed to the harassment of her their daughter. Okay. Yep. Because Great. presumably he's not just doing it to Sonia, right? He's probably doing it to many other women, you'd imagine. You know, I wonder if this affects his books, though. You know, because I'm assu I'm assuming Sonia ain't going back to this pizza joint. But if they do the best pizza in town... Do you put up with a bit of harassment? Is that your question? Or do you call up calling yourself Bernard with a deep voice? And when they come to deliver it, not answer the door, just ask them to stick it through the letterbox. The pizza, that is. I'm sure you can get, like, a voice regulator <laughs> jobby on Amazon for a few bucks, right? You could. It's Bernard. <laughs> as, it's Bernard. It's, it is scary because obviously, as you mentioned, they know your address. And if you take contact details, if contact details are provided to a business and then used to chat someone up or used in a way people weren't expecting to be used, that is a breach of data protection law. Like, I'm fine. I'm fine with the guy calling up going, hey, is my is my pie tasty? 
right? And then you're like, you're fine with that? Yeah, I'm fine with one call. I'm fine with one call. I would actually be touched. I'd be like, there you go. Very much. Eight out of 10. You know, next time, you know, make sure the crust, you know, this cheese isn't sticking to the roof of the box. Otherwise, a okay. I think you're just too sad and pepper lonely. That's what your that's what your issue is. How cheesy! And so, so some other people have had problems with this. Breakfast TV presenter Naga Munchata, mm. she says that she's received unsolicited and unwanted attention from taxi drivers who've picked her up because they had her phone number. You know, when you book a taxi, they have your phone number, and it makes makes it's made her feel unsafe. What? So they call her up afterwards and go, "Hey, this is Ron, your cab driver from last week. Just checking in. If you need a cab, let me know." Or maybe saying, I loved what you wore on the TV the other day. Or, you know, just trying to, you know, people people act inappropriately. I don't know. Come on. If someone texts you, if someone yeah. emails you, right, about the podcast yeah. saying, hey, really nice episode, Graham Crawl didn't really know what she was talking about, but you were fabulous. You were fabulous. Okay, I'm, I'm warm into this Love, now. love yes. Charlotte, right? <laughs> Yes. So if she emails you, you're cool with that. You respond and go, I agree, Charlotte. I am very good and Krull is not so great. If she texted you that, you'd be like, how'd she get my number? Yes, I would. Although you've given your number to loads of people that you don't really know, like loads well, of businesses uh, and people. Perhaps. But yeah, it's not something You'd be weirded of... out. You'd be weirded out. It'd be weird. And if she knew my address? What, she's stuff. knocking on the door? She might be. Charlotte the Harlot. I am. You're the best. I've got a banner. <laughs> Courtney Sherwell is a school support worker from London. She says that she was using this weekly meal delivery service. Mm. One day, the delivery driver changed and she began to receive unwanted messages. And again, she was nervous of reporting it, but this time because she thought the delivery person would know the complaint was from her. There's another woman, Lisa from Manchester, I was reading about. She used an airport parking service. And the shuttle bus driver who was taking her to the terminal, he said, oh, give me your mobile number because uh, that'll speed the pickup when you get to come right. to get your car later. So she did. And during the holiday, she kept on receiving messages from the <laughs> shuttle bus driver asking her how the holiday was going. And this freaked her out. Uh, and she had to get a friend to come with her to collect her car because she felt uncomfortable when she returned. Yeah. Another woman, Helen, she got messages from a takeaway pizza employee, explicit ones. You know, I said, oh, hey, I'm just cooking your pizza. Looking forward to seeing you soon. And That's uh, not explicit, he, Graham. I don't know where you live. No, no. But, <laughs> okay. but, but when he delivered the food, he complained that she hadn't replied. And she said to him, well, you've been in a breach of GDPR, um, which I have to say does kill most romantic <laughs> Just flirtation's dead, oh, doesn't it? Depends who you hang out with, Graham Cluley. I've had <laughs> much success with GDPR lines in my life. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyway, she ended up slamming the door of him and then was bombarded with messages. Okay, that one's different. This is different. Don't you think from the other stories? Like, Well, well, yeah. She ended up getting a dick pic sent to her on Facebook as well by oh. this one. So, so what um, do you do about that? Nothing. Right? Is it harassment? Well... 66% of people, according to the ICO research, believe that it is not morally right to use personal details given for business purposes for romantic or sexual proposition. 100%, yeah. Right? Well, no, it's not 100%, Crow, 66%. <laughs> 5% 
say it's totally all right. And absolutely, so one in 20 say it's absolutely acceptable because but, okay, if she's hot, yeah. then you can send her a message. But it's a gray area, right? Because I may decide to have a party, right? And you and I right. are effectively work colleagues. And I can mm-hmm. call you up and say, hey, 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 want to come to my party? And you'd be like, mm-hmm. how dare you use this line of communication for non-business <laughs> affairs? I'm going to report you, right? So- I should report you for a GDPR breach, you reckon? <laughs> Do you know what I mean, though? And we've had people call us up and go, uh, hi, we provided you with a service or a product. How's it going? Basically fishing for more business, right? Yeah. Like, for example, I, I was with a friend yesterday and she got a call from HelloFresh, right? Now, she happens to be but in the hospital. But that's still business related, right? You right. Could, you could argue that that's still could. What if he said, how are you today? Bit personal. <laughs> Bit personal, Bit sir. Personal. <laughs> Step off. <laughs> So I'm just saying it's a grey area. It's complicated. So uh, according to the ICO crawl, it's not a grey area. They say yeah. if you're getting, if you're being charming, and arguably that was charming or romantic, it's against the law. Wow. Um, because the personal details is only supposed to be used in a business context. So okay, what if? <laughs> sorry, but what okay, if? Okay, let's say what if. What Come if, on then. What if? Okay, I'm a I'm a sales head honcho, and I know right. how to build the relationship is to do the personal stuff to start with. How are the kids, right? How's little Jimmy? You know, how's the football? That's how you you know. How's the car going? Yeah, you had car engine the other t- you know with your Datsun the other day, the old dad. Like you know, I understand what the ICR is saying. I'm just saying there's a bit of gray. That's all I'm trying to prove, listeners. Okay. You know. Well, I don't know. Excess, if you agree. <laughs> if I can, if I can bring this back for a moment, the ICO are now calling for evidence on unwanted employee contact, and they're asking for people to report their experiences. They've set up an online form. Until the fifteenth of September, you can fill in this form and tell them about how someone gave you a pizza and then tried to give you something more instead. So they've set that up. So, Carole, if you've been upset with any of the messages I may have sent you of a personal nature. <laughs> of which there are like a thousand, probably. Carole, what's your story for us this week? Wearables. So, have hmm. you or do you sport a wearable, Graham? A wearable. I do, actually. My watch is connected to my phone and things these days, yes. And you've had that for a while? Or is this new or...? No, I've I've had it for a while, and I've had those uh, sort of step tracker things for many years. Like they've done me a lot of good. All right, so for health, use it for health primarily, and telling the time, presumably. T- telling the time is a helpful thing that you <laughs> can do, and also one of the primary things I use my watch for is if I can't find my phone, I can press a button on my watch, and my phone will ring. So I'll I'll find out where I left my phone around the house because I've got to that age. Yeah, I do that every day as well. I don't know yeah. if it's an age thing. Okay, but you love it, right? So if you lost it and couldn't find it, how long before you would replace your existing watch, do you think? Oh, I don't think I'd be desperate to. I'd, I'd, I'd maybe wait a month or two. Okay, so you wouldn't I be think. like chomping at the bit, but you would definitely no, replace it. It wouldn't be like losing my phone. It's like if I haven't got a phone, then it's like, uh, how am I going to live? How will I know where I'm meant to be? I need my phone. But yeah. my watch, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel like that. Okay. So, but basically, you know, most people I know in the UK at least have one. Hmm. Like I don't, nor does my Yeti, right? And maybe, <clears throat> well, he doesn't, but maybe it's a tech thing. Because obviously I know a lot of people in the tech industry. So maybe that skews things. 
U.S. people seem to have it a lot. Actually, most of my U.S. friends have one. Right. And the market research folks say that wearables are a market to keep an eye on because it slowed down a little during the pando, but it's predicted to have a serious uptick. So at the end of last year, more than 1.1 billion people globally apparently used their wearables to stay connected. Wow, that's incredible. Because these things aren't cheap. No, it's one in eight on the planet. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're not really a necessity, are they? I don't, I guess you don't miss, no, but I guess you don't miss what you don't know. I, I do live by that. Mm-hmm. And, but it's not just smartwatches, right? Though that is big news too, because there's so many different providers of smartwatches. You've got like Garmin and Fitbit and Google Pixel and Samsung Galaxy, and of course, Apple. Mm-hmm. You know, smartwatches themselves have been around for what, about a decade, I guess? Because the Apple Watch X or 10 started getting some news last week, even though Apple Watch 9 isn't even out yet. So I think this is because whilst 9 is expected to be more of the same, maybe with a few tweaks and a few, you know, flurries, um, there's going to be a major redesign for the Apple Watch 10, a la iPhone 10, if you remember. Oh, who cares? I mean, I I don't understand people who have to have the latest watch. It's daft enough that people need the latest phone, but I think a watch, I mean, it's fairly rudimentary what you're doing with it, most people, isn't it? I don't know why people would upgrade. Well, new features that have been predicted is that there's a brand new watch band overhaul. So it's going to use this magnetic system, which, of course, means that all your existing bands, especially if you've bought dozens of them, will no longer work. Right. Uh, But there's also whispers of a blood pressure monitoring system as well. Okay. As you know, there's more out there than smart watches. We have, of course, augmented and VR headsets. Okay, so <laughs> s- still considered quite big and clunky from, from the people that have them. But I say watch this space because it's expected in the next few years, we should expect to see these combined with other devices, such as your watch or glasses or headphones. Or guillotines. I think that's what they should be combined <laughs> with. Anyone who's wearing one of those... You just think, oh, for God's sake, just leave planet Earth, please. <laughs> Have you heard of hearables? Hearables? Hearables. Well, there are very, do you, do you mean like hearing aids? Because there are very cool hearing aids yes. these days, aren't they? They can be tiny. I mean, I think people were embarrassed wearing hearing aids at one time, or some people were. But now they're quite remarkable how small they can be and how, how clever. And I imagine they would be connected, as it were. Exactly. So they're one part hearing aid and one part headphone. So typically these devices are Bluetooth streaming with hearing aid functionality or health tracking information. And there's apparently the opportunities grew because uh, hearing aids were declassified um, as, how do I explain this? So they were declassified in a medical sense. So meaning they could be sold over the counter. And there were less stringent regulations. So all this has apparently boosted innovation in the hearable market. I was always told never put anything smaller than your elbow in your ear hole. So I would be nervous of wearing a hearing aid if it was in my Do you canal, wear headphones? As it were. Well, that's over. I don't mind if it's over. Oh. Yeah, but they don't go in my ear. Oh, you don't wear like little Apple I don't like to. Or... I don't like to, no. Right. 
So things like hearables with biometric or proximity or movement and those kind of sensors is going to enable them to gather contextual information about the user. So it can do things like mapping, so contextual location-based suggestions. Oh, that sounds scary. That sounds like... Well, you know, just say, hey, don't you want to pop into Boots? Exactly. That's what (laughs) I mean is the advertisers. They're the ones who are driving this, aren't they? Yeah, well, there's also environment-based noise suppression. So say you're, you know, a few buses go by or something, it'll change the sound to enhance your audio. And there's even things like heart rate tracking and voice-based personal assistance. So all kinds of stuff. Hmm. But there was one that kind of blew my mind, and this was smart fabrics and textiles. Have you heard about these? (laughs) They are known as e-textiles. And the idea is to integrate electronics within the fabric itself, which can then be used for sensing or communication purposes, right? So this opens up a whole world of possibilities for creating interactive garments, like, hey, I stink, wash me. (laughs) Oh, you're so much cleaner than me. Where my mind was going was quite filthy. (laughs) I'm not surprised. (laughs) Or like your your shoes could be like, you only walked 100 steps today, you lazy, ah, you know. That's good. I was imagining something with arrows, which said down a bit, down a bit. <laughs> you're almost there. Hey, oh, bing, bing. Thank you. Uh, yes. Sorry. I don't know what you're talking about. No, me. But, but seriously, so Science Daily have a story about fiber optic pants to offer low cost way of monitoring movements. Hang on. When you say pants, do you mean American pants I don't or know. British pants? I don't know. I'm, I'm leaving that to, <laughs> to... I couldn't tell. They also had another story about researchers who developed a fully knitted circuit-embedded knee wearable for wireless sensing of joint motion in real time. How cool is that? What's the purpose of that? Well, that- say you had osteoporosis or you had the oh, okay. meniscus tearing on your knee... So uh, they were saying, well, do you need an operation? Do you not? Let's put this on, wear it for a week, and we'll see what's going on in there. Oh, okay. All right. And another recent study, uh, researchers from Japan developed a novel wearable chemical sensor capable of measuring the concentration of chloride ions in sweat. Okay, so seriously, by using a heat transfer printing technique, the proposed sensor can be applied to the outer surface of common textiles to prevent skin irritation and allergies. I I think clothes can already detect when I'm sweating a lot. I think they've got a sort of (laughs) of built-in method. By analyzing your sweat, it can tell you, "Uh uh-oh, you're near a heat stroke or you're dehydrated, (laughs) right? Go have a drink, guy. Okay. So, okay, these are all kinds of wearables. I haven't even mentioned the rebound Facebook stories, eyeglasses, oh, or the yes. Amazon Echo Frames. Fuck Echo Frames. Anyway, okay. Um, so, so basically, the upshot is IoT wearables continue to be big business. And not only do you have like a strong hardware market, right, but you have a strong software one. Which means that I feel confident in predicting that there's going to be an increase in IoT hacks, <laughs> be oh. it device vulnerability, right? a software one or hardware one, you know, privacy oversight, user error, do you think? Things could be hijacked, maybe. You could be held ransom. Your your knee or your nose or your ear or some part of your body could be seized control. Didn't this happen? Wasn't there a sex toy? Do you remember the sex toy? Yes. Where people got 
that they sort of put their cock in a cage. They got taken over. Yeah, it got taken over or something. Yes. <laughs> sure, <laughs> but we spoke about that. The thing is, is in all my examples, there was a bit of a health thread, wasn't there? Right? Yes. yes. Jesus. Um, and that's like the big focus. I know it's sex is a big focus for lots of people, Graham, so don't feel weird. But another big money focus is health information and what's available with this new wearable, I don't know what you call it, evolution. Right. Because the health data is big business. So who do you think might want to buy, collect, collate, crunch, and analyze health data? Google, Facebook, the usual suspects. That's interesting. I think you're totally right. Amazon as well. Mm -hmm. I don't even have them in my list, but I think that's absolutely true. Another one is Big Pharma. Yeah. Right? Because wearables can be used for collecting all kinds of real-world data on medications. Or oh, insurance companies. Yes, insurers. Because uh, yeah. the insights they derive, like tracking everything from your activity levels to resting heart rate, sleep patterns, means that they can refine pricing, right, for you and mm -hmm. make more uh, unique risk classes. So it'd be more competitive and it would be more like priced for you is the way they're selling it. Employers, they might be able to, might, might want to know that you're sweating enough, so you're working hard enough. Right. And also one that might surprise you is healthcare providers. So people like hospitals, mm. like the NHS, because so long as they de-identify records, right, so patients can't easily be identified, they can sell it for big wonga to the big pharmas, to the insurance providers. Now, one of the problems is this de-identification stuff, because according to one expert, he calls it a privacy placebo, because it works as well as the thermostat in a hotel room, he says. There's a lot of ways around it. Mm -hmm. And if the data is re-identified and is hacked or exposed or something, yeah. there's a few things that could go on, right? So a few examples he gives. You have medical data that could be used to make fraudulent medical claims, and then what happens is the victim of the identity theft gets all the bills. Yeah, yeah. Your medical records often contain financial information, so you put yourself at risk of financial theft in that area. So in other words, like once the data's out, it's out. Oh, yeah. There's no putting the genie back in the box. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so this for all these reasons, I think uh, you got listeners, you glorious listeners, those of you in the security market, might want to pay careful attention to this whole IoT wearable evolution. because. They're putting a lot of cash in it. And if there is, you know, if the explosive growth continues and you have a glut of tech players that don't necessarily see security and privacy as a, the be-all and end-all, they need someone to help them out. And they'll probably make a buck or two in the process. Do you agree? I think, I think you're probably right. So is there any wearable you think you might consider, Carole, in the future? Maybe for you or your Yeti? No, but if you're worried about your own wearable, you might want to visit Mozilla's Privacy Not Included website. We have uh, a link yes. in the show notes because they've done quite a bit of wearable research into a number of popular wearables. And quite a few of them get high creepiness ratings on how much data they hoover up from the user. So hmm. check it out. That's me, Carol out, off the floor. 80% of breaches are the result of stolen credentials. Why does your organisation still rely on passwords? Hackers don't break in, they log in. 
which is why organisations are moving to zero-trust authentication, a key requirement for zero-trust architecture. What if you could continuously authenticate every user and device accessing your system, ensuring that they are who they say they are and that they are using secure devices? Well, Beyond Identity gives companies the ability to eliminate reliance on passwords and protect against password-based breaches, fraud, and ransomware attacks. Go to smashingsecurity.com slash beyondidentity for a free demo. That's smashingsecurity.com slash beyondidentity. And thanks to Beyond Identity for sponsoring the show. If you work in security or IT and your company has Okta, this message is for you. For the past few years, the majority of data breaches and hacks you read about have something in common. It's employees. Hackers absolutely love exploiting vulnerable employee devices and credentials. But imagine a world where only secure devices can access your cloud apps. Here, credentials are useless to hackers, and you can manage every OS, even Linux, from a single dashboard. Best of all, you can get employees to fix their own device security issues without creating more work for IT. The good news is, you don't have to imagine this world. You can just start using Collide. Collide is a device trust solution for companies with Okta, and it makes sure that if a device is not trusted or secure, it can't log in to your cloud apps. Visit collide.com slash smashing to watch a demo and see how it works. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash smashing. And welcome back. And you join us at our favorite part of the show, the part of the show that we like to call Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week is the part of the show where everyone chooses something they like. Could be a funny story, a book that they read, a TV show, a movie, a record, a podcast, a website, or an app. Whatever they wish. It doesn't have to be security-related necessarily. Better not be. Well, my Pick of the Week this week is not security-related. Good. It is possibly privacy-related. Hmm, so's mine, um, actually. Oh, <laughs> I'm just seeing that now. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. My pick of the week is a website called Legal Lullabies. I will put in a link to the in the show notes. That the, the domain name, though, is zzzuckerberg.com. So zzzuckerberg.com. Legal Lullabies is a project created by the TLDR Institute, which stands for the Lazy Data Research Institute. And what they do is they have a lovely voice which reads you, Carol, the entirety oh. of Instagram's terms of service. Oh, my God. Let's listen to some right now. Don't fall asleep, guys. Instagram terms of use. Welcome to Instagram. Oh, this is like heaven to me. These terms of use exactly. or terms, These terms govern use. your use of Instagram. Except Brilliant. You close your eyes. You drift away. While the terms and service of Instagram are read out to you. There's also a version for TikTok as well. In all, there's 51 minutes, 43 seconds of this. They really do read out the entire... I was actually surprised it could be all read in less than an hour. Yeah. Out loud. But uh, apparently it can be. And uh, I thought, because a lot of people struggle getting to sleep, don't they? They worry about You could things. have kept this for my birthday. Do you know that? <laughs> You would have saved yourself a huge amount of stress. <laughs> Beautiful. 
Love it. That would have been a bit personal, though, for me, uh, knowing when your birthday was. So I might have gotten into GDPR trouble if I'd done that. Anyway, legal lullabies at zzzuckerberg.com is my pick of the week. Oh, I just get it now. ZZZ, like snooze. Got it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Got it, got it. Crow, what's your pick of the week? What do you know of the Havana syndrome, if anything at all? Because I didn't. The Havana syndrome? Yeah. Have you heard of it? Is it something to do with cigars? (laughs) No. It's a cluster of what can be called idiopathic symptoms. Okay, so it's it's better to tell you the story. So in December 2016, a, a U.S. official in Havana went to the embassy medical center to report this debilitating and confounding illness, I guess. So the symptoms included headaches and nausea, hearing loss, problems with memory and vision. And its onset was characterized by hearing something like a buzzing or hissing or grinding sound. Ah, I think I might have heard about this. Okay. And a year later, so 2017, reports were coming in from U.S. intelligence and military personnel Mm. and their families. And these people weren't in Cuba. They were, uh, you know, in places like China, New Delhi, India, Europe, Washington, D.C. So there's been loads of reports. There's been like a thousand reports of this. And various federal entities refer to it as an AHI, so anomalous health incident. <laughs> right. And I don't know, you can't help but put your, you know, conspiracy hat on and because we're talking spies here and you're kind of going, what's going on? Yeah. And you can yeah. learn all about it in an investigative podcast called The Sound, Mystery of the Havana Syndrome. So we have like eight episodes hosted by a UK journalist by name of Nikki Wolf, and he conducts interviews, they do investigative research, there's some theorizing, and there's even some crazy DIY projects that you can listen in on. But you also have the toing and froing from the powers that be, like the FBI, CIA, and so on, because they seem to be having a lot of trouble defining and explaining just what's going on. Hmm. Anyway, really enjoyed it. So uh, this is called Sounds, Mystery of the Havana Syndrome. Find it wherever you get your podcasts, or you can find a link in the show notes of Smashing Security. So don't give away any spoilers, Crow, but as I recall, mm-hmm. one of the theories was that maybe uh, an enemy state was beaming this sound into US embassies or embassies of countries it didn't like potentially to mess with people's heads you could be right graham or, or wrong. i could be very wrong i guess mm-hmm. i'd have to listen to the podcast to find out what nikki wolf has learned <laughs> yes that's exactly right <laughs> so Ooh. sounds mystery of the havana syndrome check it out i think you'd like a clue okay very interesting well that just about wraps up the show this week you can follow us on twitter at smash insecurity no g twitter and last have a g we also have a mastodon account and don't forget to ensure you never miss another episode. Follow Smashing Security in your favourite podcast apps, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Overcast. And shout out to this episode's sponsors, Collide and Beyond Identity, and of course to our wonderful Patreon community. Thanks to them all that this show is free. For episode show notes, sponsorship info, guest lists, and the entire back catalogue of more than 335 episodes, check out smashingsecurity.com. Until next time, cheerio, bye-bye. Bye-bye.
So this noise, mm-hmm. what does it sound like? It's awful. It sounds a bit like a drone. Like a cicada, like really crazy, like a like oh. yeah, like a microwavey. It's basically it's down to microwaves. Is some of the theories. It's not just people with tinnitus or something, is it? It's not, or, or is it? Well, depends who you ask. Oh, I know. Don't worry, you'll like it. You'll like it. It's good.